Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver's Sports Travel. I'm Ben James and today I'm joined by our rugby writers, Simon Thomas and Andy Howe. Good afternoon, chaps. Good afternoon. The public's uh, appetite for Mr Howell is going to be sated now. They've been very concerned that he was missing last week. They need their weekly fix of Mr Howell. And I think he's going to be all guns blazing. Talking of uh, appetite, uh, <laughs> young Ben and myself have been sat here now for the last uh, about 42 seconds because that's all it took you to devour that sandwich. Doesn't look like you've eaten for a week. Got to keep my health up. That's what I'm talking about food. I haven't had dinner yet. So uh, we'll, we'll rush through this and then I can go get some food. So um, we'll begin with the weekend's action from last weekend. That was uh, the two final regional derbies of that little mini stretch over Christmas. Um, we'll start with the Scarlets. They destroyed the uh, the Dragons. Seven try victory, 47 points to 13. Andy, what are your views on that one? Not, not a real surprise I think the Dragons were there even though the Scarlets have rested some of their players they still feel a strong uh, pack and it just showed uh, where the Dragons are if their first team is not available they're struggling for uh, depth They were um, the count at the start of this week was 26 players out injured I looked at the team and played against the Scarlets and I would say they were without 10 first choice players plus Mr Gavin Henson <laughs> of course it had been uh, dropped uh, they only had one uh, one member of their pack out, their captain, Coriel. So they had a bunch of kids playing as well. And they just, I'm afraid, they just were not up to it. And um, uh, they weren't up to it. A couple of boys played well. I thought um, uh, Alan Wainwright in particular had a good game. He certainly came through this season. But they, you know, that sums it up for me. No one heard Aaron Wainwright at the start of the uh, uh, campaign. Clearly shows the cavalry can't arrive early enough. But the only problem is. They got like half the season to go. Bernard Japner coach been disparaging about some of the senior players. Uh, you know you've got to be very careful when you make those remarks because you need to keep them on side for the rest of the season. <coughs> it was interesting. The Dragons' average age in that game was twenty-two. Now it's been pointed out to me the Scarlets' average age was twenty-five. You know, so uh, not a huge difference there. But if you look particularly at the packs, I mean, it was a very experienced Scarlet pack, all front row. Watch from you know Ken Owens, um, Rob Evans, Samson Lee, back row of Barkley, Shingland, John uh, James Davis, I think it was. And Tad Byrne. Tad Byrne involved. I mean, it's just too much for the young Dragons pack to handle. Uh, and to be honest, I have to say that is probably one of the weakest Welsh regional teams I've seen put out. You know, in the years I've been covering the game, and they are what they are. They've got a huge amount of injuries on the back of what was already, you know, pretty weak squad. Really, a squad we all know needs reinforcing and it's going to, it's not going to get particularly easier for them because they've got, you know, they've got these injuries they're also going to lose players who are fit maybe to Wales for the Six Nations period and it, it's, a, it's a long second half to the season for them and um, it is difficult I mean there's been a lot of talk about Jackman plus hanging players out to dry with that video and some of the comments he's made he's clearly trying to get a reaction in some of the things he does uh, I did note what he said he said this will be the last time as far as he's concerned the Dragons will ever go to the Scarlet to be uncompetitive so there isn't a lot of this jam tomorrow kind of talk and where people are sort of yeah, saying well, we've, you know we've heard that talk before from yeah, other coaches at the Dragons I suppose the difference is now that there is a union ownership there is perhaps a, a greater revenue stream available we're told that the squad for next season will probably be about £600,000 more is that about right something like that yeah I think so um, 
the next season does seem a long way away at the moment and there's a lot of games for them to play it's going to be a, a long haul and some of those kids are really having to grow up in public so Randy just talk me through a decision not to play Gavin Henson well they dropped him after the Blues match they dropped him after the Blues match because he missed him yeah. uh, and they didn't pick him for the Scarlet's I don't see the thinking behind because now you've got two games against Bordeaux which ultimately he doesn't need to play because they haven't got a lot on these games he didn't play them against well, if, they, if, they, if they beat Bordeaux away and home which I can't see happening certainly over there yeah. they go through <laughs> it's an unlikely scenario isn't it well, I don't know, is it? Yeah, well, it is, isn't it? Yeah. It is. You, you know, you would have thought it is, wouldn't it? After he, you know, improved uh, hugely, you would have thought it is unlikely scenario. Uh, Ensign, I think, was um, uh, of course they are they're nursing yeah, Ensign in some respects as well. How many games he can play, and uh, I suspect they probably, uh, though I think he could be involved in some sort of capacity this week. They're probably keeping him back for the league matches after you. I would imagine. I would imagine you probably play against Bordeaux at. Um, in Newport but but you know but at the same time because of his defence and Jackman had voiced concerns about his defence earlier in the campaign top and sharpening up uh, I think Jackman as well he gave our Robson a chance didn't he unfortunately he was playing quite he played quite well against the um, Ospreys and he started right against the Scouts but injured his ankle and had to go off so I think he's looking to give him opportunity to see if he's uh, uh, you know, going to come through. The problem they've got, they're going into Europe now, and they're basically down to their bare bones. I think both in the mm. front row and the back row, they mean you know reliance on the AAT coming through after his concussion for them to put two hookers on the field. I think they perhaps got four fit back rowers, maybe just about four fit props. But uh, you know, three of those are loose said Sam Hobbs is going to have to cover tight head, even though he's not a tight head. You know, it can get difficult in Europe because you've got restricted squads. But yeah. I mean, even if they were able to bring players in, <laughs> other players are injured. It's just a tricky one, really, isn't it? And it's almost like a get-through period at the moment, yeah. just trying to get through until they get some reinforcements the, back. The other issue with the Dragons, of course, is uh, you know you had a new coach came in at the start of the season. Uh, everyone's buying into it, uh, players, etc., etc. But the issue is, doesn't matter who's coaching, is when you start getting suffering defeats like last week and their record this season, which is worse than it, at the same stage than it was last season under Kingsley Jones, eventually players are going to find it more difficult, and they mentally to just to turn it round because uh, you get used to losing, don't you? Remember Wales under Steve Anson, they were conditioned losing but the other thing of course is we know that there's been talk maybe of 12 13 players leaving oh uh, that's going to happen they're going to take a million pound off their budget and now a million pound is going to go on to players who are coming in but my point is if you've got that many players know they're going inevitably whatever you say motivation is going to be slightly reduced yeah. and if they're having to rely on those players who perhaps they wouldn't want to but because of injuries it's not an ideal scenario is yeah it? the jackman's content uh, argument of that is those players are playing for contracts perhaps elsewhere if they can, uh, or to persuade him that they should stay, uh, and it, it, it allegedly most of those haven't been offered deals anywhere uh, where else at this moment in time. So perhaps they are playing for their rugby careers. So shouldn't that be a motivating uh, factor? Of course. But the other thing, but of course, the other thing with the ma- management is, is they sort of outed players publicly, rebuke them or whatever. The secret of man management, isn't it? Is you, you you've got to work out the individuals in your squad. One makes each person tick, and that's what some people need uh, uh, encouragement, don't they? An arm around the shoulders. Others react to uh, to uh, getting both barrels. So I don't think you, you I don't think you treat everyone the same. 
Um, obviously, we, we haven't seen enough of Jack and close up to know, uh, you know, his exact style. I mean, the bottom line is like very little has changed in terms of results. The only difference is now we're now we're talking about the Dragons first rather than last. So you can read into that what you want. Really, they've suddenly become a story, but without the results changing. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And onwards. <laughs> and onwards. Uh, of course, oh, there, was, there were two teams that played in that game, and for as bad as the Dragons were, the Scarlets put in a, a good performance. Well, they weren't great, as they, they said themselves. Uh, sloppy for the first 20 yeah. minutes, sloppy for the first 20, yeah. and then once they sort of got the accuracy yeah. into their game and got their attacking game going, I mean, and the player who really shone for me, was, in particular, was Rhys Patchell. I thought he was excellent. Yeah. And we, we've talked in this, um, in this room, this podcast, and a few times in the past, but perhaps before he went to the Scarlet and was what his best position was I, I always thought that he could make a real top class um, fullback and I think it was Jake White wasn't he who was coaching Montpellier maybe you know said to him that like, you could be a real top fullback the bottom line is he's a good fullback and he's a good fly half he can play well in both positions his support running his angles of running his running from deep his kicking his tackling he was just really good at fullback then swapped to fly half and ended the game there he's, he's just a quality player yeah, but it wasn't too difficult, was it, when he got up against those dragons? <laughs> and it's trained, not a one-off from him, though, was no, it? No, he's a good player. But, you know, Patch is a good player, and you know, what I like about him is he's full of confidence, isn't he? You know, he's, you know, he, he's, he's, mentally he's very strong, and uh, he has got so many uh, uh, strings to his bow. He first playing at outside half, and he is a, he is a good outside half. So know? what happens this weekend, then, when they play Bath in Europe? Does he play full-back or fly-off? Is, is, say Lee, Lee Halfpenny isn't fit. I mean, yeah, I Halfpenny's having a late fitness test. What do you do there? Do you go Dan Jones 10, patch your full-back? Well, they, they may be forced to because they haven't got Steph Evans who's banned no, this week. McNichol's still not quite there. He might be fit, might not be. So then that's a, well, that's a huge blow as well if you lose to McNichol, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, personally myself, I would be playing the McNichol at... Uh, uh, full back because they were, when they ran away to the um, Pro 12 title last season he was the key man from number 15 play his vision from the wings, I guess. Yeah, his vision um, pick the right moments to run back pick the right people to run against or he'd kick the ball you know a typical New Zealander plays with his heads up and uh, and he's great as well at fixing defenders and putting others away totally unselfish and I actually think the scouts are best when he's a full back and then that would set up the, the um Patrick Priestland head head should probably talk about it again later on. Yeah, they had that mind earlier in the season, didn't they? Mm. And uh, take two in, in, round uh, two in uh, West Wales, and uh, Priestland came out on top. So yeah, we'll move on to the other uh, regional derby, and it's probably the best oh, derby of the entire festive period. And that was yeah. the Ospreys. Because funny, we both watched them. I mean, at times the quality wasn't great, but it was it was certainly you know a sort of grandstand finish, and the, the Blues coming back from seemingly in the dead you know to um, make it 28-29 the Ospreys deserved their win let's not make any bones about that there were were two fundamental areas where they won that game there was their front five which is very dominant and also their halfbacks you know were excellent class players um, in Bigger and Reese Webb but a third man in that midfield trend who I I thought was just shows what he could have been for Wales was Ashley Beck it's just so sad that he's had all these injury uh, issues during his career because you watched him 
He got better as the game went so on. So much class, so much time in his hands. Just a lovely footballer to watch. And I tell you what, if he is able that, to that came mine as well, partly from I'm a dominant front five. So it does help. It, on it clearly five. helps. It clearly helps. But what I'm saying is he was doing impressive other people wouldn't. Yeah. And now you know, Owen Watkin unfortunately was stretched off. We don't quite know exactly when he'll be back. I mean, I think if if Beck continues playing, I would like to see him in that World Six Nations score because he just offers something slightly different in creative terms in the centre. And just a lovely player to watch. Well, he's a class hacker, isn't he? Uh, it was a strange game, man, because uh, it started off quite slowly. Lots of errors, isn't it? Lots of whistles, loads of penalties in the first half. I don't think I've seen Nigel Owens blowing up so much for uh, for a long time. And um, Blues actually, um, Blues could have been ahead, well ahead in the first half. But then the Ospreys took over, didn't they, in the third well, quarter? Well, that was a key moment, I thought, with really the, well. the interception which Matthew Morgan gave away, which allowed the try. Um, I think Hassler went Hassler over for that try, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. back into it against the run of play. Changed the momentum, because up until then, the Blues were on top of the breakdown. Nick Williams was having a very big game. And it was interesting to see a match where there were so many penalties given for competing at the breakdown, you know, with penalties actually given to the defensive side, which isn't what he would associate with Nigel's refereeing over the years. But he was hot on that area. Blues were very competitive. But then when the Ospreys got ahead, and then that, that period then, certainly the, the end of the first half and the third quarter, the Ospreys really turned the screw up. Mm-hmm. And Nicky Smith had a big game as well. Yeah, you know, Tipperidge came in two big end, second it? rows. You know, mm. you know, quality second rows now. Alan Wynn and Bradley. Yeah. And it Baldwin even, was good in the loose. Baldwin was good, and it really did show you. It really show you what the Blues are lacking and what they need. And they they need some horrible big blokes up front. That's what they need. You know, it's telling that they've decided now that they're not particularly in the market for George North because they want to spend their resource on. Uh, on, on, on big front five forwards and I wouldn't be surprised to see them looking overseas for some recruits in that area some gnarly uh, Springboks or some people they're like gonna that they're going to be short of wingers on actually isn't they with Mr well, Kessler leaving he's just teething up because he's got this big he issue now he you know he's got this if it, they've made a decision that they've got Blaine Scully Tom James they've got Alex Summerhill and they've also got Rean Williams and Owen Lane who can both do a fine job the Owen way. Williams is an outside centre Owen, Owen Lane Owen Lane sorry <laughs> who will be in it as an outside centre I've that's it. That I've told you that for years. Rean Williams is an out and out fullback. So but playing Dan Evans on a wing, as we saw last weekend, that wasn't. Yes, I know, but it's about squad breadth, isn't it? And cover in various. You've got positions. to be able to. Be, you've got to be able to play that position. And anyway, the, the decision of Richard Holland, the who is effectively uh, the, the future coach at the present, because they haven't got an actual coach in place. And what are you putting your head down like that for? I'm just resting. <laughs> anyway, the decision they've made is that the focus has to be on front five recruitment. If you look at it, let's be honest, that you've got uh, Toffoli, who's in his 41st year, Gethin Jenkins in his 38th, as is Matthew Reese. You know, they're not going to have that much more rugby. Yeah, they did make a good recruit last summer. Franco van der Meer. And they paid him off. You know what happened there. There was financial well, well, issues. Well, how come all of a sudden they got the money to go to South Africa and look for the players? Well, possibly Peter Thomas just decided to make more funds available. Yeah, they're, they're fun, <laughs> yeah no, you're right. Their fun fight does need beefing up. Yes. However, they have got some really good young props coming through. They have. but They're not far off, are they? But what you need, and we've always said this, you can put two or three... They've got two good young 15, players. But as the dragon showed, you can't yeah. put 15. Yeah, but those boys are getting older. They're not going to be young for no, much longer. I think what they really need, and they need a big, brutish second row. They haven't had that for Frank a while. Frank they had him. They haven't really had a big second row. What? Frank Vandermeer, they had him. He's gone, he's gone. Why didn't he let a couple of others go? 
anyway, moving on. They haven't had a big second yeah. really since Bradley Davis was there, and they need that kind of enforcer yeah, big you're, man, you're right. and they need a big, experienced, powerful tight head, and they probably need another hooker, more of a scrummaging hooker. I mean, obviously, like I say, Gethin Geth and Matthew Reese coming towards the end, and you've got to look at people to come in to take over. From Why that. do they need it seriously now? Why do they need another tight head? And they got those two boys because I think you've got two very good young tight ends coming through in Kieran Azarati and also yeah, Dylan, uh, Lewis. Dylan Lewis. But I think you need to have somebody with real experience and power in that in that tight end. You can't just rely on the kids every week. That's my view, especially with Token towards the end. I leave, keep leaving, yeah, keep leaving him silent, yeah, don't I? <laughs> so um, yeah, the other thing I suppose coming from the match we mentioned it briefly. It, it just showed. A lot of people mentioned this on Twitter how much Welsh rugby is going to miss Reese Webb because it was just a, a match where he showed his class time and time again, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and the Ospreys is going to miss Dan Bigger as well, isn't it? Because he created three tries with his uh, in game. Yeah, Webb is just class, and he's one of the best scrum halves in the world, and uh, he just runs brilliant support lines, and uh, you know that. Uh, um, his first strike wasn't it he was on the inside of bigger took a bomb in a second when he won a hand off on Lloyd Williams put it in put him on the deck it's great stuff um, yeah. you know it's the little zip uh, yeah. there. <laughs> not, not quite sure who that <laughs> <laughs> listen Reese is you know a player at the top of his game which is good news for the Ospreys for the rest of this season good news for Wales for the rest of this season we all know what happens next season he goes to Toulon and he's not available for Wales we've talked about it ad infinitum it's not going to change it is what it is it's sad because he's a quality player I've said before I don't think it needed to happen it has happened we have to make the most of him while we can over the rest of this season yeah. the thing that I like most about was a tip break strike Dan Big across it Reese Webb was the one who spotted that Went over, little tap on the shoulder. Look over there. Tip, tip, was that when? Was that in Cuthbert? Uh, that's a bit different to what Bigger said. Mine Bigger claimed that Weber showed him for him pass the ball to him because he wanted his hat trick of tries. But uh, anyway, Tippish was calling for the ball. I think Nina's on it now. Yeah, and it was great, wasn't it? It was great play. Blues, Blues were kipping. I don't know what was wrong with them, and um, and he, they, he got napping, didn't he? And uh, it was a great kick. So accurate, Tippich caught the ball, just had a flop over the line. Decisive moment, wasn't it? it was but you've got to give the Blues credit for the way they did come back. Well, it was telling. Do you think maybe that coincided to a certain extent with Alan Wynn going off? It just seemed when he went, they kind of lost a bit of their direction. Well, they just thought the game was won. They got the bonus point, hadn't they? Yeah, yeah. they slacked off a bit. But mind, I, you, mind you, they got a bonus point try after he'd gone off. And then they, t- they, they took their foot off the gas yeah. and they, they let the Blues back in. I, I think it also showed the replacements the Blues made conversely had a big impact. And pra- I think, again, it showed... Garen Smith came on, he's a bit of an unsung hero at the Blues, he does a very simple job for them, he straightens the line, and when you play Ray Lilo and Willis Hallower together, they're both talented players, both got great steps on them, but it tends to become quite lateral at times, and I've, I've seen, we've talked about it in the office before, I, I'm not sure if it's a partnership that really works, they obviously brought Jack Roberts in for this season as somebody who could play that straight and row, he's hardly played, he's had injuries all He's gone. He's, he's had poor lad. He's had injuries all season. Garen Smith is a similar type of player. Loads the ground. Scuttler goes forward, and when he came on, they suddenly had a direction and something to play off. Alice Jenkins made a big difference as well when he came on. You know, quality player. And Gethin as well. You know, Gethin one of his scrums. He did a uh, little battle with our hip and ended up in the air. Generally, he made an impact, and uh, I think possibly it was reflection that maybe it wasn't ideal team selection of course they did also suffer the loss 
of Jared Evans just before they'd gone in with this policy of playing him as a fly-off, somebody who takes the ball close to the line with Anscombe providing more solidity in the back, had to change it, which doesn't help. Um, and really, they only kind of found their way a bit too late, really. There we go, I think we put that. I think we put uh, that one to bed. That'll be the bed, yeah. So we'll move on to Europe, um, beginning with uh, Bath in Scarlet. That's a massive game, isn't it, at the wreck? I think you're... You're that one, you're yeah, I am. I was there 16 years ago when Scarlets beat them, Alan Ethy beat them in the uh, quarterfinals of the Iron Camp Cup. One of the great performances. Stephen Jones got all the uh, all the points, but I think uh, uh, I think that day the Alan Ethy only made two errors all match. It was a virtual error-free performance, and that's what won him the game. You got to keep you cut your mistakes to a minimum, and that's what Bath did when he played it when he won at the Scarlets in uh, what was it October. Uh, they, um, they didn't make many mistakes and they played for Tadbury and they played the conditions better than the Scarlets but you know I think this is, the Scarlets they're good enough to win this game but it will be a heck of a task because I watched Bath's um, uh, December fixtures against Toulon home and away and uh, they won it home lost away but they could have won over there as well and uh, they really up for Europe I'm you, this is going to be a fantastic battle of Britain did you watch them against Wasps though over Christmas? no they were unpicked by Wasps that day, who played a counter-attacking game, the kind of game the Scarlets like to play. And Bath were found wanting defensively. Missed, I think, 19 tackles in the game. A lot of tackles, a lot of ground made in the 9-10 channel. I would imagine that Stephen Jones and Pivak would have looked at Wasps' performance. There's a bit of a template there. In fairness, they've come back since then. they played well. Priestland, the game last weekend, we heard a very fine game. And... Um, we talked about Patchell. If it is Patchell versus Priestland, that's a fascinating 10 battle. It happened in October. Priestland came out on top on a wet night at uh, Parker Scarlet's that night. What's the forecast this weekend, Ant? It's okay for Friday. Or in Bath. Oh, yeah. It could be a crack. This, this, is, you know, this is a classic Anglo-Welsh-European game. We've had some great ones over the years. And it's important to remember that the equation is pretty simple. Simple, but tough, but still simple. If the Scarlets win their last two games, they, they win through. the group. Yeah. And you'd have settled for that after the losing, losing the first two matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, you know, it's, it, they, could, they could do it, yeah. Just, I mean, go, just goes to show the, uh, the importance of bonus points. Yeah, they yeah. Losing bonus points and then I think so. Teams I, I think they've got a solid yeah, front row back together now. They look very strong. And they got a bit of depth there, man, because they've got uh, Wynne Jones, Jones on the got bench, Ryan Elias. You know, um, I think interesting to see what they do I presume they will go Barkley, Shingler and James Davis in the back row with Byrne and maybe Bullring or would they go Rawlings is there another option at lock um, Byrne I think they do miss ball yeah, I'm not sure who they go yeah. back row Shingler, Shingler James, James Davis, Davis. And Barkley, you like Burn playing a uh, lock when you. Either uh, Burn, either Bullring or Lowering, or Rollins. Oh, Rollins was yeah. a hard worker. Yeah. Um, no, but I think it, if you look at them, the halfbacks, the quality halfbacks, interesting to see what, what they do. Um, as you say, the back division. If, they, if you'd hope McNichol is fit, and I guess they possibly you could work Asquith. Asquith should be fit. Yeah. Asquith, you know, and. Uh, Wait and see what happens with Halfpenny. Obviously, got your Nicholas has come through. It's going to be a test. It's going to be hard. They're they're a very, very, very competent Premiership side, Bath, but they've got a chance. They've got a chance if they play to their best. They've shown when they went to Leinster, when they went to Munster in the Pro Four team, top teams won away. They've got the ability. They've got the capability. And, and they got the confidence most of all that's, they got they're not many they know they, like against the Ospreys, they know how to win games. Against Bath earlier in the season, it was a rainy night. Bath didn't number on them, and the Scarlets 
couldn't get the victory. No. Against the Ospreys, same thing sort of happened. They didn't go for them, but they managed to come away with four points. Yeah. yeah Cummings is the other second row in the course, equation, yeah, yeah. isn't he? The Australian. They've got options there. And I tell you what, I think is fantastic. I've been reading about it today. We're talking about between a thousand and fifteen hundred Scarlets fans going down there for that game. They are going to make a fantastic atmosphere. They always Real do they go. It's going to be a full house there. It'll be proper old school, you know, Anglo Welsh game. I can't wait to watch it. Um, I should be following your blog with interest, and I'm looking forward to it. It should be a great day. <laughs> yeah. My colleague Matthew Southcom and myself will be over there <laughs> reporting life. Can't wait for it. The other one, of course, in the Champions Cup is. The Ospreys hosting Saracens. Simple equation here again. Again, we didn't. We probably wouldn't have expected this one to be no, a must-win game. Yeah, yeah. The Ospreys win this match. Yeah, Saracens well. are probably out of Europe. Yeah. Looking at the table, so unless they get yeah, a couple the of bonus points. have to go to Claremont then. Don't yeah, they? but if the Ospreys win this match, it'll take them without a bonus point. It'll take them to seventeen points. Which, <coughs> looking at the tables, the other tables could be enough to get them through. As a pool runner-up, is a good. When I look at the other pools, there's a good chance I would put him through. Tell you what, my only issue here is I think three weeks ago, play Saris. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no. Last weekend, <laughs> they suddenly they suddenly look like they got their mojo back a little it's bit. It's not just last weekend. For the last few weeks now, Saris have started clicking. Bruno Polar's back. And, uh, and he told you back as well. You know, it wouldn't be a surprise. Look, Saracens the third. Williams could be back. Yeah, is third in the table, yeah, but it wouldn't be a surprise at all, would it, if Saracens qualify for the knockout stage and go on to uh, defend their title yeah I mean the Ospreys have got a few injury issues well losing Dan Lidget this week that's a big blow because he just started to get some of his Best old physically years. abrasive form back he's had no luck at all that boy missed the second half of last season he's going to miss the second half of this season he's a catalogue of injuries during his career really uh, it's a big blow uh, it does leave him a bit shy in the back row area um, but what you would say injuries, what you would say is that they do have a solid front five R. Hip, Nicky Smith, Baldwin, uh, Alan Wynn, Bradley. That's a decent, really decent, you know, front five. Yeah. They got Tipperick there. I suppose McKeska play eight, probably. He played against. Them. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, will we see uh, Mr. Cross? Uh, one th- I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, James King was he still going to be missing? James King's not until the end of this month. So you know, they, they, that's a blow. They are a bit uh, shy ba- there, Dan Baker, you know, he's out for the season. Baker's I think. Out. Mercer, yeah. he's been guy, guy Mercer, isn't it? Uh, uh, you know, I don't. You know, with the, he's, uh, I think he's more anonymous than Cross. I think Will Jones is in the squad. Uh, he's been registered. Will Jones. He was on a bench against yeah. the. Um, against the uh, Blues listen, I think realistically we look at this game if the Ospreys are going to win they're going to play quite you know old school Ospreys rugby strong front five control uh, from ten a bigger sniping around the fringes and maybe a little bit of magic from Beck um, and Dan Evans what do they do at full backhand I play Dan Evans because they these big games, we know what they have a tendency Dan, to do. Dan Evans is a fullback. He's an out and out fullback. Simple. And look at the, what, look at the damage he did against Sassons earlier in the competition. He's part of the reason they got bonus. But play. then they do have a, a they do have a limited resources in the wing at the moment, don't they? They've already really got Hassler. It's like Dav Howells could come in to start on the wing, I suppose. But you can see why they're doing it to a certain extent. Yeah, they are I, I, I would play Sam Davis on the wing and Dan Evans at fullback. If this comes I down, know, you've got they, to play the both they, of them. They've never shown an inclination to do that, have they? Well, it's ridiculous, really, because Dan Evans hits a line, doesn't he, when he's on the attack? I think Dirksen, he's such a good player. Dirksen's out, isn't he? McKeon and Giles is out for the season. One. 
they have been hard Eli Walker will like happen to him Corey Allen playing there he's had this um, pectoral problem I'm not sure if he's available but he would have been ideal for the sort of game they want to play I, it, you see yeah. this is just like concern I have I think in certain areas they do look, it's back three yeah. and well, back row to, they, they look shy don't they like Wales <laughs> to a certain extent what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to dominate up, well try and dominate up front which is not going to be uh, uh, not going to be a simple task when you're up against Sazans. Uh if the Ospreys can do a number up front they got a good chance to win this game you would have thought if Sazans are um uh, you know, Sazans get the better of them up front. They'll definitely win, or um, you know, or, you know, or, um, they might offer a bit more Sazans because they've uh, got a lot of strike power in yeah. their backs. I mean, again, it's another fascinating ten battle. We're looking yeah. forward. We talked about Patchell yeah. against Priestland. Now we've got bigger against yeah. Farrell. Both quite confident young men. Yeah, Maybe sure. a word from each of them. I would have thought. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, you find it quite hard to see the Ospreys winning. But they are a team that have improved, haven't they? Yeah. With almost the last round of Europe having been the catalyst for the improvement. Well, they should be the squad they got. They got some really good players there, haven't they? You know, some big players. They got some big units in this pack. And that's Still, Saturday evening, isn't it? Saturday. That's yeah, another so one to look forward to. The almost pleasing thing is no one's expecting them to win effectively. Are they? Let's be honest then. Um, I know. Uh, not, I wouldn't go that far. Really. I think they got a chance. Yeah, got a chance, but no one's, no one's really thinking of it. Right? I think it'd be pleasantly surprised so if they, they won. Can, so they can go in there, revert the title like they have, play that solid game, and then just maybe take chances, and who knows? You know, well, they, at, in, in, at, at the Allen's Park, they, you know, they yeah, by tip, by, yeah, yeah, chance they're armed, isn't it? in the centre as well, Watkins looks, he's going to probably miss this. It does Fonatier probably come into the equation? Is yeah, he fit for them? I think he is. Well, he, he's missed a couple of games for family, family reasons. So, so I'm not sure of his availability. He's available. See, again, it's slightly short shorter. It could end up, I, in, I, it could I, end up I, at centre playing James Ock and Ashley Beck. This is the thing, you see, I look it's at it, I look at it, I think. Bench could you know could play a big part in this game, and I just think the Ospreys had a little bit stretch resources, which makes me think Saracen would be favourite. Yeah, well, Saracen's a top team, so they rightfully they are favourites. Yeah, so we'll move on down to the challenge. Cardiff Blues needs to lose. Well, of course, twenty-two years ago this week, Blues Blues Twenty-two years ago this week, Cardiff played to lose in the final of the very first Heineken Cup. And uh, the, still the only Welsh team to have reached the final of that competition. Um, we, we did a Where Are They Now this week on where, where all that team. Stories. Yeah, some interesting stories. Um, right, a couple of things. Let me tell you now, the Blues are not <laughs> are not exactly enamoured by the fact that it's 5.30 on a Sunday. No, neither am I. I think, you know, who's decided, who's decided on that kick at time? Is this game being televised? It's been televised with it's BT ridic- Sports. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, and, but they know, pay the money, and no, They might pay the money, but I don't think it's fair on the Blues fans. You know, have to go along there, five thirty. Five thirty. You know, worse, yeah, okay. Worse for Toulouse fans, if any of those come over. But the Blues fans, expect them to trundle up there. Five thirty kick off on Sunday. What time the game's going to be over? What? Half seven. Yeah, half seven. You know, come on. Yeah, it's not great, is it? But anyway, I mean, that's not going to change now. Um, if you look at that Challenge Cup Pool Two table, they only the got to win this game. They win the, the group. Blues are top. If they win this, they're pretty much there. It's it's an it's an interesting one. I, mean, I was looking at Toulouse's position, kind of uh, in in the French table. They've been up and down a little bit. Um, the Blues obviously went out to Toulouse, you know, and won, which is a, in October a massive victory. Uh, it's going to be you you in a way you have to sort of take Toulouse out of this equation because you just don't know what their mindset's going to be and how they approach it. So let's look at how the Blues are going to be. Um, 
I think Seb Davis remains out through illness, I'm told, which is I think is a real blow. He just had something slightly different to their pack. Um, they've been looking, they've played Josh Turnbull there recently. Um, what I would say about the Blues is generally they've got a probably uh, a healthier squad in terms of availability than they perhaps had all season. They do have sort of options to go for there. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they go for at 10, whether they go at Anscombe there or Anscombe at fullback with Jared Evans. And hopefully, Jared will be fit. Um, they'll they could will they go for you know um, a more mobile pack with whether Macaulay Cook or Turnbull in the second row, three open sides. I think I think the key man for them at the moment is probably Nick Williams. So I don't think they will go three open sides. They'll go him at eight because he's the one man who really gives them a go forward and carry makes more carries than pretty much anybody else in the Pro 14. He's been playing well now. He's, uh, he's his contract was up for renewal and he's been uh, he's earned himself a new contract with some uh, fine performances. Why is what's man? So you think he's a contract player, do you? No, I think <laughs> I would say that he has shown in recent weeks why having him on board next season makes sense. Oh, he's been good over the ball. Yeah, That's good over the ball, good thing. carrier. Anyway, I think he's going to have an important role to play. And you've got Navidi, Alice Jenkins and Robinson. So there's, there's firepower there. It's a, it's a massive game for them because it, it well, gives them what I would do. Let me just say what I would do straight away now. I would have Navidi and uh, Alice Jenkins on the flanks. And Nick Williams at number eight. I think that's probably what they will do. Yeah, Simple as that. Alice Jang is top player and he's a right old leader as well, isn't he? I think they will do that. I think Gethin will maybe start. Gethin will start. Um, um, Hook will be interesting because Matthew Reese has been playing very well. Matthew Reese has been very, very well this season. Spoke to him a couple of weeks ago and he's, he's looking for another contract next year again. He's enjoying his rugby and he's, what he does give him is real scrimmaging strength there. Um, interesting to see what they do at nine. They go Thomas Williams or Lloyd Williams as well. So they got and again we go back to the centres. Do they stick with Hallahollo and Lilo the steppers, or do they play a more direct game? Got some big decisions, big calls to make. What did there. they? Uh, who was in the centre in uh, Toulouse, and how did they win that, ge- well, that game? Was it by running or? They played. They played the rugby. They played. They played handball in hand rugby, and they were. That's the way to be. It's got a lovely try. The try that really sticks out. Macaulay Cook's got a try actually offer Jared Evans break which is why I think you know they will go for Jared challenging that you know front line I think they will play Anscombe at full back give a, a kicking solidity there uh, I think that's the way to go against that's Toulouse take them on and play rugby you know I think so He's threats good, threats good, or good threats up and come play Thomas Williams the I wonder whether they will decide to go for experience in the wings you know, Owen Lane's had a fantastic six weeks he's played a lot of rugby so they maybe go Tom James and Alice Cuthbert this weekend well, I stick with Owen Lane because he's a man in form would you put him in the centre maybe I wouldn't change that I would leave the centres as they are would Lee have it Willis and uh, Lilo Lilo was excellent Lilo's the one who's played better in the recent weeks mm-hmm. I'd be tempted to go Garen Smith and I, Lilo, I, I look at this table though and one thing that uh, stands out for me mind is uh, Sail Sharks at the bottom of the table what the heck happened the Blues up there you know they've been to lose and then they went up and they fired a shot they didn't go off the bus yeah, I'm expecting the Blues to win this game because the Blues to win this match because generally in Europe particularly at home over the you know the Blues tend to pick their performances up and deliver in Europe is something I certainly seems to turn them on. I was betting a bit to lose. Be interesting what frame of mind to lose turn up in. I don't think they're fantastic. And do you know what? I don't think French rugby is very good either. Apart from, Rush, apart from La Rochelle, I love watching them. I'd but, say Montpellier uh, are a fine side. Yeah, they're not bad. But you look at French rugby really, when you look at the players, it's like a, you know the world's players over there, world stars, a lot of them has been who play in France it's to the detriment of Welsh rugby it's been hugely damaging to the uh, France uh, national team but I don't think their rugby is fantastic and um, 
if the Blues are there, there with 20 minutes to go, I expect their fitness will uh, tell because I don't think French teams are yeah, fit. Hopefully either. they'll win and then I'll be able to persuade the bosses to send me to Lyon for the final game. I would. Hang on. <laughs> I would. You blacked, yeah, I would. You blacked a, a special trip anyway over there. Well, just trying to arrange, make arrangements to give our readers the best possible coverage. Aren't we? Well, there we go. Uh, we'll move on to the final game, which is um, Bordeaux against Dragons. <laughs> Um, have you been to Bordeaux and? Yes, I have. Click watch rugby or socially? Uh, rugby. I was there <laughs> when the uh, back in let me think now eighteen ninety eight. Eighteen nineties. No, yeah. <laughs> ninety eight, ninety nine when they got absolutely hammered by uh, Who did? Bordeaux, Van Ethic. But oh. that was the season, mind. I think it was the Rebel season, and then they went on to reach the quarterfinals. I got hammered at Perpignan in a quarterfinal against uh, Rafael, Rafael Ibanez and the boys. But it was great. I remember Bordeaux. It's great, great rugby place. Bordeaux. And do you know what Bordeaux? Um, I'm not sure about this season because I'm looking at the figures. But Bordeaux and Leinster, the two best supported teams in European rugby for te- average attendances. Is it a very big rugby town um, then? Well, yeah, it's very popular rugby mm, there. Not been yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's great place. Um, but what, what I remember that day, they got absolutely murdered at uh, the Van Ethy Pack, and um, the only one who stood up was uh, Robin McBride. Uh, it was a right warrior, but they substituted him with about 20 minutes ago. He was their captain. When he went, uh, white flag came up. And they got hammered. And the late Stuart Gallagher, what a character he was. And as the chief executive, afterwards he said, we've got to sort our scrum out. Should we tell him no, i.e. the press, who we've signed? And they signed a guy called uh, Jason, was it Jason Barrow? Oh, New Zealand? Yeah, the prop. Mm. Uh, of course, they signed the wrong Barrow because his brother Connor played for the All Blacks. And it turned out that Jason wasn't uh, uh, wasn't too good a prop and didn't last that uh, long in uh, West uh, West Wales. But uh, Bordeaux one of those places, typical French uh, vibe. And Buzz, when they get on a, uh, a when they get on a roll, they're very difficult to stop. I'm looking at the table here, and I mean Newcastle look pretty much home and hose. Yeah, but they are group, they got to play they? the uh, Russians, aren't they? So they're, you'd expect them to get top you know, seed, top seeds possibly yeah. in that group. And I think I'm reading your rights in right, Andy Bordeaux and Dragons on eleven. Yes. So if they do win their last two, the, these two games against Bordeaux, yeah. they'll probably go through. Yeah, they don't if it's a massive if, isn't it? We saw <laughs> last week in it, and they don't have the bare bones of the squad. You know, there's. Uh, uh, it's going to be a miss stunning sort of turnaround if they were to win in Bordeaux and uh, but I uh, the other issue of course is Bordeaux now I've got a new coach in uh, uh, is it Rory Teague Rory Teague yeah I don't know if he's a relation to the great Iron Mike Teague who starred for the Lions in uh, 89 Australia but because this chap has played for uh, Gloucester as well uh, he, he was Eddie Jones's skills coach last season with England uh, went to Bordeaux in the summer as um, backs coach and of course uh, Jacques Brunel has left Bordeaux now to take over the French job from Guy Norbert who was sacked uh, recently and so uh, Rory Teague has been pointed head man and he's got working with him Jeremy Davidson the great lock Lions conquest of South Africa in 1997 played very well and Mr Joe Worsley remember him against Jamie Roberts at the um, Millennium Stadium now known as the Principality yeah, so what I say is they they beat Leon last weekend. So Teague has taken over a couple of games ago. Oh, and players there are obviously going to want to impress him. So I suspect they'll be right on the money this weekend, which means Dragons will lose and ship quite a lot of points. So predictions for the four games. Then I will go. Oh goodness me! Oh goodness me! I'm going to go Scarlets. Uh, what are you thinking? I'm going to go uh, Scarlets. Ospreys. Ospreys. 
Bordeaux Bigler and uh, and I expect the Blues to win. Okay. So um, three out of four Welsh victories. I go, I'm an optimist. I think I would go Bath to win home advantage. I would go Saracens to win. I would go Bordeaux to win. And this is what I got to put up with you. Fairness <laughs> is what we got to put up with it. A guy coming Welsh rugby is such a to pessimist. lose to win at the Ans Park. What are you? No, no, you're laughing now. Well, I don't, don't know. I do not generally know. mean that. I don't know. I can't <laughs> ben, what do you, ben, what do you make of it? I'm just, I'm just honest. Just honest. Honest. I'm flabbergasted. I'm I tell you what, we need to speak about very briefly before the it's end. A um, couple of things. We need, to, we, need, we need to look at the, the Wales aspect in terms of the because the squad is out next week. Um, there is probably six or seven players who are on the fringe either in or either out so this is a big weekend for individuals as well as for, as well as for the clubs um, and I think if you look at it you look at the likes of um, Dylan Lewis he's probably going to maybe get, get a involvement against Toulouse big opportunity for him to push for a tight end spot you know um, Elliot D if he plays can push for a, a hooking spot I mean the Scarlets we're obviously you know not only just the squad position, but starting Hadley Parks perhaps hasn't really sort of kicked on so much since the Autumn Internationals. If he has a big game now, could put pressure on Owen Williams for the twelve across well, the board. It's wide open anyway, isn't it? Who's going to play twelve? So there's, a, there's a lot of things to play for this weekend on a club and an individual basis. Yeah, um, I suppose someone like James Davis as well. Well, you could. could we well, well, the interesting thing is with Ross Moriarty, we hear could well make return this weekend. So if he comes back, then you could be ending up with almost a choice between James Davis and Alice Jenkins for a final squad spot. So a lot to play for there. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, James Davis, and uh, you know he hasn't got in in the past. Uh, I think you have to change the mindset of the Welsh coaches for him to get so, in now. So if if we're going on the basis that they pick six back rowers, is it five or be six? It was. Well, if it's sick, you're talking Navidi, you're talking Shingler, Moriarty, Tipperick, James Davis, Ellis Jenkins. Yep. Is that two seven top heavy? You, had, you said Shingler, didn't you? You think that? Then I suppose Moriarty can play six. Navidi can play you could, eight. You could play Ellis Jenkins at six in the same way that Sam does. I mean, the, uh, Ollie Griffiths is unavailable. I think he'd have been a prime contender. So really, those six do kind of stand out, don't yeah. they? Moriarty's going to be playing eight, isn't he? In a succession, if, he, if he's fit. And show some form in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, simple as you know. Uh, otherwise, if um, you know if he was available to play six, or if Alta was available to play eight, and Moriarty at six, uh, another option would have been putting England in the second row. Yeah, because we're not entirely clear how long Falatau is going to be out. Possibly yeah. back for the third round. Mm, possibly, uh, possibly could be the last two games. Listen, listen. There's a chance by then Wales are out of the championship oh, reckoning. He told me be negative. I'm not being negative. He's <laughs> <a> negative <laughs> over Wales. Well, yeah, Wales got beat Scotland, haven't they? That defines the champion. Don't forget, they got we'll, monster matches then. We'll England come round to that. Ireland away. We'll come round to that in the coming week. Yeah, so this is a, yeah, it's a big weekend for some boys. But there, uh, well, Patchell is another one. If you look at it, how many outside halves they're going to pick? If you think the bigger's going to be in there, Owen Williams covers 10, 12. Do you have do you have Priestland props? Plus Patchell, maybe well, Patchell because you go all those, well. those players can all cover different positions. Yeah, Sam Davis could be the one under pressure not to get into the squad. Possibly does Anscombe is Anscombe in, yeah, in with a chance to score? Yeah, he is on NDC, <laughs> and he's played quite well. He played quite well last week in fairness to him. Just bigger, bigger. Back three, back three yeah, again. Yeah, so there's options. Half Liam, 
And yeah. the other one, the other one we haven't talked about their game. But the other one who's obviously pushing hard for a squad place is Josh Adams of Worcester. Yeah. You know, um, with the wing situation we've got. Um, well, Ali Bruce been pushing hard as well. I suppose the difference is that Ali has signed a new contract with Bath, which means from next season he's not going yeah, to be available. Yeah, so do they yeah. see it as a? Um, well, and he's played before. Um, yeah. Past, you know, so it's going to be he's a long shot. So um, there we go. Plenty to uh, think about in the coming week. Uh, and of course you can follow all the action from the European Games and the Wales squad announcement on Wales Online.